This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie, I'm one of your hosts this week, Rahul. Welcome back, my friend. You're the other host, obviously, and I think you're a little more excited to talk Chelsea than I am, or maybe you're just as distraught as I am this week. It depends on which Chelsea team we're talking about, but yes, I'm excited to talk about the women's team because they've made yet another FA Cup final. Uh, and I don't really want to talk about any other team within our club. I think that's a very difficult statement to process <laughs> for a minute because it's absolutely factual, first of all, to begin with. But a lot of us have been supporting the men's team for years on end. And I think we're slowly growing into the women's team. And I think it's making it easier and easier and easier. But let's save them for the end, Rahul. Let's start with maybe the men's team and how they've disappointed us week after week after week. What do you want to open with this week? Do you want to go through maybe the starting eleven? Yeah, let's let's definitely start with the starting eleven. We'll do a Brighton review, as we've been doing at the start of every show with uh, reviewing the games. But let's do a starting eleven. Why don't you tell me who started and and who came in from maybe the the, the darkness? <laughs> Listen, we should stop calling it like match review, but we should call it match loss, and then just kind of <laughs> go over it and go through it. But. Listen, I'm going to try and make some puns, be a little bit funny, because it is difficult to be a Chelsea fan this day and age. But let's go through the starting 11. I don't know if it was a 4-3-3, hybrid. I guess it just depends what you're looking at. But let's go with 4-3-3 to begin with. And I think Kepa and Goal, we had a heated debate over who should start in goal. And obviously, Kepa maintains his place. And I believe he was captain as well. We've got a four at the back with Chilwell. Badia Shield back from the cold. Wesley Fofana with him as well. Another man back from the cold. You wouldn't expect him to play right back, but Trevor Chaloba is back at right back, which is interesting to say itself, but that's okay. A midfield three of Dennis Zakaria. I did. I mean, look, I'm happy to see him on the pitch, but again, one of those things where we have so many players, anybody can pop in at any week. Enzo Fernandez, and he's partnered alongside him with Gallagher as well. A front three, and again, we can discuss this formation later on, Raul, because Pulisic was playing a little deeper. Raheem Sterling as the false nine and Mudrik as the left winger. A good 11, Jackie. I mean, I think if you look at it, we've been asking for some of these guys to play. Batty Shirley. I think Joel, we all knew, would play given mm-hmm. that he's going to be suspended midweek. But Zakaria comes back in. Pulisic come back in, comes back in. I think Mudrik, we all wanted to see. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad that he was given the opportunity because on a rather dull and... Not very explosive day. I think Mudrik was the shining light in a Chelsea shirt. Uh, but that doesn't really say much when you're the best of the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I think you said some fair things there. I think Mudrik has had a difficult time, to say the least, with Chelsea. And I think that comes down to a little bit of him. But also you have to think about the team overall performing so poorly. He's struggling in a performing in a poorly performing team. But yes, he was probably the best player on the pitch. I'm sure we can argue that Gallagher got the goal or whatnot, but he was the best player on the pitch. Enzo looking good overall, but good to see some of the guys back from the cold. I think you and I have been calling for a defensive midfielder. Zachariah has come in and he's looking okay. And Christian Pulisic, a little more nimble, but not sure how much he contributed to the game overall. And Trevor Chaloba, unfortunately for him, 
I think he was torn apart by Mitsutoma during the game. And we can talk a little bit more about it there. But what do you think of Frank's rotation, I think is the right word. Do you think he's just trying to get the, the top players or his preferred players rested for Real Madrid? I, I do think so. I mean, Joe Felix doesn't play, which tells you where he's seen mm-hmm. uh, within that squad. Kai Havertz, I think, was reported to have a knee injury. So that was maybe a natural uh, selection solved issue for him. Tiago Silva was rested. Angolo mm-hmm. Conte was rested. So I think he picked and chose who played and who kind of was not rushed or, or eased into it, given uh, Tiago Silva and Angolo coming back. But I mean, and, and it, look, I said at the beginning this was eleven that you you would expect to to compete and do better than mm-hmm. than what we saw. I'm not sure about Sterling playing as a false nine, and that has nothing to do with my feelings or, or bias that I have against him. Uh, but I've just felt that when we're playing as a team that's putting crosses in, you have Reese James on one side, Mudrick on the other side. And you're throwing crosses into a Sterling who's playing against a Lewis Dunk and um, Webster. He's most likely not going to be winning those headers or or, or balls. So, um, but then the other question is who else could have played? And, and right. you could say Obama Yang, but clearly I think he was maybe trying to get Sterling into some kind of a mm-hmm. rhythm or, or fitness in terms of what happens in midweek. But it was just once we kicked off, it was like a, a training session and, and Brighton, I think we were better for maybe five minutes and then Brighton just kind of settled in and continued to show us what we've seen all season from them, which is they're an excellent side. Listen, I want to come back to Raheem Sterling for just a quick second here. I don't think it's worked this season. And I think it's harsh for me to say that, right? Because I believe he's one of our top goal scorers or maybe our top goal scorer. But I think what we expected from Raheem Sterling coming from Manchester City, maybe a lot of expertise, a lot of experience, wealth of talent. You would say he was going to be our best attacking player, attacking winger, whatever you want to call it. But for whatever reason, Rahul, it just hasn't worked. And it could be down to the team overall has just been poor the whole season. And he's kind of caught up in that. But you would hope that some of these guys, a Raheem-type player, would pick up this team on its back and pull us forward. And I'm not expecting him to score 100 goals, right? That's not my, my expectation here. But make something happen out of nothing. It Give me the Aiden Hazard moments that you're compared to him or he's compared to you, whatever the situation is, and make something happen. But it just seems like it's not going for him. And at this point, I don't know what else to say other than maybe it needs a reset for the summer and we see what happens. But yeah, it's absolutely a training session. Brighton, I think we talk about gears, right? And we said like, you can go through gear one, gear two, gear three. I think Brighton was on gear zero, nonchalantly passing the ball around. It seemed to just work whatever they tried. And every time Mitsutoma got the ball, I think Chaloba had a panic attack and he froze because he <laughs> tore the poor boy inside out. And that's sad to say because Chaloba is a good player, right? And he's coming back from the cold. He wants to put on a good performance, but he just went through. And, and that midfield of Kaisaido, McAllister, Grob, I think the three of them really bullied us, Rahul. I don't think we could get our foot on the ball and find a way through. I think that's a great word, bully, because we've been bullied, not just in this game, Jackie, but we were bullied against Madrid. We were bullied against Wolves. Right. Uh, and we've just not looked like we've had any sort of plan. We don't seem to know how to even get the ball out of, of midfield or defense when we're trying to play out from the back. 
when we go long, like I said, you're not going to get anything because you don't have that forward that could kind of hold it for you. So it just looks like a whole big mess of, of we're just trying to figure things out on the fly. And, and you look come up against a team, like you said, in Brighton that know and have these patterns of plays that they've just kind of repeated throughout the season. And if it's not Matoma, it's going to the other side. If it's not going to the other side, it's going through the center. And we were just continuously just reacting, reacting, reacting. And for the first, even though we scored, I mean, we were definitely the second best team. And I almost felt like I'd been watching Chelsea dominate a team and they went on the other side and got a goal out of nothing, which, well, it happened to us. Uh, but Kepa was man of the match, at least for the first half hour or so, even the first 40 minutes where he just save after save after save. And it was Kepa against Brighton versus Chelsea as a team and as a club against Brighton. Listen, I'm glad you brought up Kepa because I think you've been a, a harsh critic of him and that's fair to say, right? But the fact that he kept us in this game, Rahul, it was very easy to be 4-5 in that first half. And that's not even me exaggerating. That's just me watching going, what is going on here? Brighton are just having... Kepa as their shot stopper and goal for fun. Let's practice some kind of shots against him and see what he can do. And that was crazy. And what's what's even worse to me is the fact that we scored a goal and you and I didn't even talk about that as something big. It's the only goal we scored in like five games. The only goal that we also scored by fluke. It deflected off of somebody and went in. And look, I don't take anything from, from Conor Gallagher. I think he's a good player and I think he finds a way to at least help the team. But it just shows you how far we've fallen and the fact that Brighton can do what they want and just say, yeah, we don't need to go into gear two. We can just kind of stay at this gear zero and pass the ball around and it will come and it will just keep working for us. I thank thank Chelsea for Kepa at this point in time because it could have been embarrassing. It really could have been embarrassing out there. It it really could have been. I mean, ultimately it ends the way it does, but... Even before we scored, we could have been one or two down. And even after, right after we scored, we could have been equalized and then fallen further behind. So uh, Kepa, and you notice I said for the first 40 minutes, because um, after that, I'm not sure. And look, I'm sure we'll cover all the goals and and how they went in, but I'm not sure um, if he could have done a little bit better on, on at least the first one. Uh, but just coming back to our goal, I know you spoke about Gallagher, but I do want to talk about Mudrik, who makes a brilliant run, carries the ball through their midfield into their defense, coming through from the left wing and doing what we know he can do, what we know he was brought in to do. But we finally got to see them maybe for the first time after that Liverpool game, which was his debut in mid-January. So it's been about two, three months since we've seen what Mudrik can do. And that's fine. He's new. He's coming as a, as a foreign player. He's new to the league, to the country. Um, a lot has been asked of him with the price tag. So I think he's, and I don't want to get carried away, right? But I think in this game, you you got to see in flashes what he can do if he has the right pieces around him. So I want to give him some credit and some some positivity there. But it was it was inevitable that Brighton would score, and I think mm-hmm. our boys kind of knew it as well because you said we scored a fluke goal, and I I spoke about that too. But we didn't kick on from there. We weren't like, all no. right, we have something here to defend. We were just kind of nonchalant, like, all right, Brighton are going to attack, and we're we're going to see what Kepa can do. And maybe it's too soon to bring this up, but and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, but as a manager, as a coach from the sideline, as a coaching team, let's just not put it on one person, you're seeing us continuously get bypassed and 
and and overpowered and just outnumbered in midfield and on the wings. And you've seen Chalobah basically, you said, torn apart, right? And there was nothing being changed from the sidelines. I mean, I saw Espelicueta at one point, and I think this was in the second half, giving instructions. But I think Lampard just kind of looked like resounded to the fact that, yeah, we're just we're just not good enough. It's such a tough one, right? Because I look at it this way and I go, a lot of Chelsea fans were screaming at why we let Thomas Tuchel go. And, 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 I, and I agree with that. And I'm one of the fans who are screaming, right? But things were poor under Thomas Tuchel when the season began. You and I were there, Rahul, when we drew 1-1 with uh, Charlotte FC. They went on to lose preseason 4-0 to Arsenal. And you said, why are they losing 4-0 to Arsenal in, in preseason? Yeah, it's preseason, but 4-0 is ridiculous, right? And they build on from then. It's just poor after poor after poor. Yes, we got some points, but realistically, it wasn't the normal Thomas Tuchel tight defense and things were working the way it was. You fast forward a little bit, Graham Potter comes in. We all know how that story went in. And it was just another abysmal loss after loss after loss. Lamp comes in and you go like, oh, Lamps is here. It's going to be incredible. Legend, he's going to wake these guys up. It almost looks like we've gotten worse. I don't know if that's a, if someone can tell me the stats or not, but it does look like we've got worse. And I look at it and I go, at some point, Rahul, maybe these guys just don't care anymore. And we've said this before where it's like, we're so far down the table. We probably will not get relegated, but you never know. There's nothing to play for. Let's just have this season. And and that's the feeling I get, right? It's like, even if Lampard was giving tactical feedback and analysis and be more aggressive, you as an individual, and that's really what these guys are as individuals. No one's really playing as a team. But you as an individual have to take that in and say, my coach is telling me to be more aggressive. He's telling me to play this way tactically. you got to figure this out. And I just don't see it, man. I just feel like they don't care and they're just waiting for the season to be over. I, I definitely do agree with you. I think the end of the season can't come soon enough for for West London and, and Chelsea in particular. Um, but I think it just comes back to, and, and you said stats, right? I'll, I'll share some here. Um We've conceded 50-plus shots in the last three games, and, Ma- and, and Lampard has come Crazy. in as a manager. Um, and before that, and, and I may be make, making you know some of this up in, 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 in that sense, but um, from what I read, it was 50-plus shots in the last three games, and in the last three prior to that, it was 29. Right. So that's almost almost double than what we were facing under Potter slash Bruno, if you want to put it that way. And... I know you're, you're focusing on the players and obviously Lampard is only here till the end of the season. And I think that's where it should end. Uh, regardless of what happens, whatever miracle we pull off or we don't pull off. Um, I, it just makes me wonder everything that's been said about him, everything that's been kind of reported about him with this tactical awareness or lack of uh, awareness. It's just, We've gone backwards. I think you're fair to, and you're right to say yeah. that we've gone backwards. We can't attack. We knew that we now can't defend. We can't even like hold onto a one goal lead till halftime. Uh, Welbeck comes on, and I texted you at that point. He's going to score. And what happens two minutes later? He scores. Yeah. Um, and it, if you and I feel that way, I wonder how the players feel on the pitch because they must feel like they're being under pressure and, and Brighton are the better side. And helpless because they can't do anything. And I, in the last episode, I f- said I feel bad for them. I still do mm-hmm. because these are professionals, Jackie. You look at it, and even in this squad, you have Kepa who's been there four or five seasons now. He's won a few things with us, maybe not as the first choice. 
Ben Chilwell is a top choice left back, left wing back, whatever you want to call him. He was very bad in this game. Zakaria, we brought him in for a reason, right? And I think we've yeah. seen flashes in certain games. Not good enough today. Enzo, not good enough. Pulisic, the, the less I say, the better. And Gallagher gets the goal, but I'll give you an instance. He's pressing the, the Brighton defense. Raheem Sterling, who's the attacker, Gallagher is going ahead of him to press, yeah. and Sterling's just standing there watching him. And it's like, where? what is the trigger? Is it, is it supposed to be Gallagher and the rest of the team fall? Everyone's just kind of doing their own thing and right. hoping it would work. And Brighton, when you come against, come up against them, they're like, all right, well, you're going to press us. I'm just going to put it in the wing and see what you do there. And there's nothing there. And we just allowed them to play. We allowed them to be what they should be. We've allowed Wolves to be what, what they did to us. We allowed Real Madrid to do what they wanted to us. And that makes me very concerned going ahead because are we going to get a win? Are we going to make it to the 40 points? I don't know. It's really tough to see it. You know, it's it's one of those situations where I go, I don't think we'll get relegated. But the more you watch, you go, where's the win going to come from? Forget the win, Rahul. Where's the draw going to come from, right? And I agree with you, right? One of the biggest things that we had seen under Frank Lampard in his first tenure was we played some attractive football. We scored a lot of goals, but we conceded a lot of goals, right? In this case, we took a team that was coming from Graham Potter that didn't score a lot of goals, added Frank Lampard to the mix, and now we're conceding a lot of goals, but still not scoring goals to to offset that. So I don't know, man. It's just a tough time, and, and I'm trying not to be doom and gloom like the previous episode, but I don't see a win coming anytime soon. I don't see improvement coming anytime soon. I don't see the point of the Grand Potter sacking, although I, I, I still stand by it needed to happen. I just think it happened too late in, in the season. I, I just don't know where we go from here. It really is one of these situations where as a Chelsea fan, I want to be positive, but there's not much else I can see that's giving me that hope. There, there isn't, Jackie. And I think we had hope about a week ago when Lampard came in. Mm -hmm. And even then we said we recognize this is a PR stunt. And mm -hmm. we still went ahead and said, well, maybe he'll get the boys up. And I, I fully acknowledge that it's been a tough week because you come in the door on a Wednesday. You have a game on the weekend. You have a game midweek. Right. You have a game on the weekend again. And that's three games in the space of a week. So there's not much tactical work happening or any work really on the pitch apart from keeping the boys fit, making sure they've recovered, avoiding any injuries, overload, all of that stuff. But even then, I'm like, where's the lift? Where's the lift within the players? We didn't see it against Wolves. We didn't see it against Madrid. We didn't see it against at home, Jackie, for the first time as manager for the second time, obviously. We got nothing. And, and that's where I'm like, is this another bad decision from the owners? Is this a PR right. stunt that is horribly going wrong? And ultimately hurting the club, but also hurting Lampard. Because mm -hmm. what other team is going to look around and be like, you've actually regressed an already bad team even further. Yeah. Uh, and so I'd love to get your thoughts. I, look, we love the player Lampard. We love the guy who did wonderful things for the club, is the record goal scorer for the club. But as a manager, what he did for us in the first stint, respect it. But this time around, I'm... I'm not sure. You come off the Everton sacking and what you did there, and now you come in here, and we've gone from 10th to 11th, and most likely we'll be falling further down before uh, the end of the season. I just want to get your thoughts before we, we take a message from our sponsor. No, listen, I think when it comes to Frank, right, I think he is doing us a favor, and he's come in to say, 
the club were going to get rid of Graham Potter one way or the other. I think there was so much negativity. There was so much animosity. There was so much booing that was going on at Stamford Bridge that the owners couldn't wear the best noise-canceling headsets in the market and still could hear that Chelsea fans were not happy, right? I stand by what I said. Ten weeks ago at this point, if you had let him go, you would have had a chance for someone to come in. And yes, there might have been some losses to begin with, but they would have had a chance to put their stamp on their team, their tactics on the team. And maybe Lampard is not that guy, right? Maybe he's not the manager that we thought he could be, given that he was such a fantastic player, given that he has this amazing IQ. Even his first season with Chelsea, I'll say, was a good season. It's not a brilliant season by any means, but given the handicap he had, I think was a good season. But I never really understood you know, the frying pan to fire phrase, but it really feels like that for Frank. It's going from... Chelsea dropping down to Everton and then it's just kind of a struggle there coming to Chelsea and now it's like the worst run possible and I feel like there is a good manager in there right because you doesn't you don't have a good season at Derby and one good season at Chelsea and then things fall apart it's maybe a combination of all of these crazy things that are going on I almost feel like he needs to go back to the championship out of the limelight find a young team that he can kind of work his magic on and harness his tactical ability with before he takes another stab, a stab at top management because it's tough, my friend. It really, really is tough to watch because I love the man, but it's very tough to watch. Maybe he can take us to the championship. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We can win it with him and come back up, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. You, you have to laugh at this point because if you don't, it's been very, very sad recently. Yeah. Um, before we go into and take a messages and come back uh, on the other side of, of that, that second goal, Jackie, from from Brighton. Last week in, against Wolves, we conceded maybe one of the only shots from that angle that would be going in. And here's another one that's basically just put in the top corner, or as they say yeah. in England, top bins. What can you say about that goal? I mean, I, I don't blame Kepa for that one. <laughs> <laughs> it was just very well hit. But how can we keep conceding these worldies just week after week? Do you know what it is? I think that there is an air of luck to football. I really do believe that that there has to be some level of you're just lucky, right? But for that to happen, right, Rahul, there has to be a level of just super unlucky. And I think <laughs> every week you come on these shows, right, and we work together and you give me the stats. And the stats are history of playing this team and what we've gone through. And we always beat Wolves and we always beat Brighton at home. We are conceding wonder goals to players who have not scored Premier League goals. So last week, Matthias Nunes scores his first ever goal for Wolves. This week, Julio Cisco scores his first ever goal for Brighton. At some point, right, you have to sit back and say, it is that kind of season where we're just going to be unlucky. Whatever happens for any other team is going to go their way, which is why I can't wait for the season to be over so we can start afresh and stop dealing with all of this craziness. But Listen, fantastic hit. I think he can try that hit in 37 under Premier League games and it's never going to go in. But in this game, at this time, with Chelsea's luck, it's going in all day, my friend. That's a good way to summarize that game, taking nothing away from Brighton. I think they were excellent. It shows you what Graham Potter had put in place <laughs> and obviously the Zerbi has taken forward. But you just don't get that time at Chelsea when, when you want to maybe put things in place, especially when the results aren't going your way. So um, 
we take another one on the chin. We take another one on the on the points table. I guess not. No points is what we're taking here, um, and we move on. But let's take a message from our sponsors, and then we'll be back. The Premier Chels has partnered with Fubo TV. Fubo TV is your home for live sports and TV without a cable in the U.S. and Canada. You can watch on all your devices, which means you don't have to miss any of the actions or goals that Chelsea score in the Premier League and Champions League. You heard that right. Fubo TV Networks broadcast Premier League, Champions League, and many other leagues and tournaments. So what are you waiting for? Start your free trial today at FuboTV.com forward slash TPC. And we're back, guys. And, and Jackie, you specifically asked for this episode to be called Clueless. So why are you asking and who is Clueless? Listen, as a Chelsea fan, we've been through many ups and downs. And for most of that time, it's been with Roman Abramovich, right? And for most of that time, Roman Abramovich has hired and fired managers. And even if you and I sat here and said... AVB was a bad decision or Rafael Benitez was a bad decision or Luis Scolari was a bad decision, right? Almost before you and I could say that, Roman would recognize that, the board would recognize that and fix that problem. And usually, usually when they fix that problem, it was an instant remediation, right? And I think for the longest time, you and I have come back and said, it's not sustainable to the point where we had to hire Jose Mourinho twice and now we've hired Frank Lampard twice, right? You run out of managers. You have a lot of failures in the transfer market as well. And that's just me being honest, right? Because you buy a specific type of player for manager A, he gets fired. Manager B comes in and says, I absolutely can never play with a player like that. So put him in the loan home and he goes out forever <laughs> or he gets sold for peanuts on the dollar, which it's not sustainable. So for a long time, we said we need a, a manager that can stay with us three, four, five years on the bounce, and we, we build it out from there. When we got the new owners, I think that was something that was evident that they wanted to remediate with Chelsea. We want to have managers that would be here for a long-term project. And I think that word long-term project resonates with me. It might resonate with many other Chelsea fans. We spend a whole bunch of money for Thomas Tuchel. And then we fire him a day after signing Obama Yang, which to me was absolutely crazy because it's completely opposite of long-term project. You go at it, spend 20, 21 million. We want to get Graham Potter, the next big up-and-coming thing. A lot of us didn't necessarily agree with it, didn't see eye to eye, but we were willing to support the endeavor considering it's something new, it's something different. We're going to give this man time. It got toxic for a long time. And when I say a long time, I think I'm thinking back to even before the World Cup, it just wasn't working. We push and we push. They don't make a decision till recently. And then you get rid of him when we're like 10 games left in the season, which to me, again, is another clueless decision. Very poorly done. You bring in Frank as a PR stunt. And listen, I'll be, I'll be the first one to tell you I'm excited. I was happy. I wanted Frank back because I thought there was going to be a bounce. But it doesn't work. What's going on? Are you just adding to this cluelessness, right? And then, after this particular game, Rahul, we're seeing media outlets post about Todd Bowley, Baydad Bali. If you haven't caught that I'm talking about the owners, this is where I kind of circle it all together. Going into the Chelsea dressing room after the loss, and they're in there for an hour. What are they going to say? What are they going to bring to the table? What are you going to tell them? Like, we've, 
you know, made a mistake. We made some poor decisions. We don't know why these things are happening, but you guys need to play. It just seems like it's incompetence on incompetence and incompetence. Look, I could be wrong. I'm used to Roman Abramovich coming in and just saying, I'm here with my helicopter. I'm here to fire <laughs> the manager and move on. I'm bringing the right guy in. Maybe they're more collaborative. Maybe they're more visible. Maybe they're trying to do things. But every decision they've made so far has made no sense to me, and hence the word clueless, right? We can look at the transfer market, buying players for Tuchel and attacking him. We can look at January when Potter is struggling and you buy a whole brand new squad and now he has to integrate them and make them work. Everything they've done, while look, there's positives to it. They're investing in the club. They're buying good players. They're buying young players. It just doesn't work. And it's just showing me that they're, they're trying to figure it out as they go through this process. Hence why I call them clueless. I hear you. And I'm not disagreeing with you. But I also recognize that they came in as non-football or, in their words, soccer people. So their two, or, or, or I guess the the larger Clear Lake group, is more involved here in the U.S. with baseball, basketball, nothing to do with the sport that we watch, football or soccer. Um, and so they came in a year. Will be a June this year. Will be a year on, and immediately they came in, and we heard links to Raheem Sterling. We heard links to Jesus. We heard links to Kulabali. And I think they wanted to make it happen with Tuchel. I think they gave him the chance. They gave him the opportunity. Ultimately, I think it came down to a personality issue. From what we've heard, obviously read and, and right. spoken to with Ben Jacobs. Um, and you know from, from the brief time that you and I have been working in corporate America, when a new ownership comes in or a group comes in that's different from what you've been used to. They like to bring their own people and way of doing things. Right. So um, I think they definitely set off with that path with letting Marina go check, go Bruce Buck, but then going a step further and letting the, the groundsman go and, and, and other people within the organization and saying, we're just going to start fresh, which is all good and great behind the scenes. But when you start fresh in a football club, like we we are a football club, and that's a primary goal and, and business of this uh, is to be a football club and, and operate and win on the pitch. When you change all of these things behind the scenes, it's going to have an impact on the pitch. Right. It's going to have an impact on the players. You don't know how close players were with Petr Cech. You don't know what kind of relationship they had with Marina. I'm not saying that they were always buddy-buddy, right. but they obviously had some relationship. Then you take it a step further and, and you kind of, the relationship is deteriorating with, with Tuchel and you say, we've added seven players in the summer for Tuchel for the system of playing a back three and we're going to sack him. And I think that's where it goes back to in September when they made that decision. It's all kind of ties into that with bringing in Graham Potter and saying well, he's a long-term manager. Fine, but you let a great manager go who could have been a long-term manager obviously the personality clash happened i think they've done certain things the right way which is they've brought in a whole new back room of, right. of business people with win stanley paul uh stuart lawrence um the co-directors co-football directors but then obviously the other scouting and recruiting and um People that know the game, and the, and obviously they all most of them are linked to the Red Bull model, which I think ultimately is where we're headed as a as a club and organization. Right. Even the players, Jackie, when when we brought in 
Mudrick in January. Don't you, we were excited? I think right. we of saw course. the news pop up on on a Saturday afternoon here, and we're like, "Holy hell!" And I I apologize for for my language. Um, we're getting a, a bright young star. We've stolen a star away from Arsenal. I think we were excited. Even Batty Shirley comes in. When players come in, pl- fans get excited. Let's just make that clear. Mm-hmm. But I think now that it hasn't worked, we're going back and saying, well, why bring in all these players and why do right. this and why do that? So I'm not defending them. I think they've had the right intentions. They've done the right things. Even letting Potter go, I think, ultimately came from the football, soccer people, which is Win right. Stanley and, and Lawrence. And I think they're just trying to correct all of the issues that go back to the two-goal firing. But to do that, they have to get to the end of the season. And and it's not helping. You look at Boley at this game. The camera turns to him and he looks like, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> um, and then he's having arguments with, with the fans. I really hope going into the dressing room and spending over an hour, there was a clear the air moment there. Say what you want. This stays here. We're, we're a team. We're an organization. Because... Yeah, Trust me, if, if my if the owner of my company walks in and puts me in a room with them, I'm probably not saying anything negative about them. But I think it's gotten to a point with the players and the club that they just need to let things out and, and, right. and just feel lighter. I don't know. Maybe Kovacic doesn't feel right about something. Maybe Pulisic obviously doesn't feel right, and we'll read about it in the book soon. Um, but I think this 25 or 35-man squad just needs to let it out, let the owners hear them, go back and rectify it or at least work towards fixing it and saying, we've got, what, eight games now? Let's just work towards getting the results, work to be together. And then this summer, who leaves, leaves, who stays, stays, and we just kind of move on from there. But I don't think they're clueless completely, but I do think they've made some very bad decisions that have hurt the club and the brand, and they do need to rectify that. But they can't do that until the end of the season. Listen, everything you said is 100% spot on, right? I can't cry over spilt milk. If everything worked, if every player we signed had done the right thing and we we were flying high, and and again, when I say flying high, right, I didn't expect to win anything this season. That was always in my mind, right? If you fire Tuchel and Graham Potter comes in and we're fighting for fifth, sixth place, I don't think you hear me complaining, right? If you fire Graham Potter and Lamps comes in, we have a bounce back and we're beating Real Madrid, I don't think you hear me complaining. That's a completely fair argument. As Chelsea fans, we're so used to having an immediate reaction. I think these things do take time. The way I look at it, Rahul, and I think it's more on the early part of the season now that everything's played out rather than the latter part of the season. I go to my mechanic. I trust my mechanic. They know how to fix my car. And so anytime I have an issue with my car, I'm going to the mechanic. So you look at Boli, Clear Lake, Iqbali as sports people that understand maybe the baseball, the American sports side of the house, right? If my mechanic tells me I just repaired your plane, I am not sitting in that plane. I don't care who you are. I'm not going. He's an auto car mechanic, the best at it, but he's not an airplane mechanic. And the reason I'm making this statement, right, is they're fantastic and they've done a good job of making the LA Dodgers a great brand and they had the right ideas to build Chelsea, but there's some level of experience that you need to have to transition into the European football model. Premier League, Champions League, the transfer market, some of the backroom staff that you're bringing in. And I think ultimately, I believe in my heart, they will get it right. But at this point in time, they've brought Bowley and all who are running this stuff as car mechanics to run an airplane. That's kind of the analogy I use. And so I'm not saying they're out, but they are clueless to some degree of 
you can't make these decisions without the correct education. And that's where they need a little bit of time. Yes, they brought the right people in now, we hope. We just need to see some progress. And that's what I'm saying. I cannot wait for the summer where we get to maybe hit that reset button. They take a step back and allow these guys to actually make some decisions. And we can then judge the project on its next phase with the right minds and the right people at the helm of it. It, it just has to be because we... I'm not saying next season we win the title because no. um, in the past, Reggie, maybe that would have been what would yeah. have happened. But we need to make progress. We need to see progress on the pitch before we, we even think about we need to get back in the Champions League. We need to get back winning titles because it has to be a slow progression. Because if we shoot up again next season, it, we've kind of skipped over a few steps and we may in long term be, be you know, uh, hurting from that. So we got to get to the end of the season. We got to be safe in the Premier League. At this point, if we finish 11th or we finish 13th or 14th, it doesn't matter. We're getting bantered. We're getting we're getting all the rival fans laughing at us. But it's I do want to say I don't think this ever happens again with any other club. I mean, you look at Chelsea. It's it's an example that it's it's almost a case study to a certain extent. Yeah, it is. Um, but the way things have gone bad, I don't think even the owners could have imagined after putting in all that money with the players and, and things changing in the background, it's just, we need like a, a deep dive and analysis of, of how things uh, got to where they are. But, you know, a lot of fans ask, where were you when we were SHIT? Because fans are, or newer fans are, are termed as you only came in for the success. Well, right. this is a good test of, of that. And the next time someone asks you that, you can be like, I was there in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that's a fair argument. I think for many years, we've been used to so much success, right? I think as Chelsea fans, I only urge you and I plead with you to be a little less toxic because there is a lot of toxicity out of there. I think just like you and I, we're frustrated and we're used to winning and we want to see winning ways. But with any major overhaul, there will be some change. And I think the only point you and I are making is maybe talk to the right people, consult the right people before you start making such bigger change. Listen, the change is done. Everything that needs to be done is done. Now they're looking for maybe the final piece, which is a manager. You'll sell off some players in the summer and hopefully have a manageable squad. So we look forward to the summer. I'm not sure what else to say at this point. That that decision is so critical because whoever comes in, it has to be someone that is experienced, can not only right. get the respect of the players, but also the club. And that's where that long-term project needs to go into places. We trust this man 100%. And let us fight. Let us just be in and around where right. we need to be. If it's top four, top six, I can't take another season of being like top 15 because that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's just painful, man. But hey, I would have I would have experienced this and nothing would be surprising anywhere. But Jackie, let's move on. I think we've, we've done a, a deep dive into the owners. We've done a deep dive into the players, the managers. But there's one team, and I said it in the beginning, that is giving joy, is, is continuously doing what they need to do, regardless of what is changing at the club. And maybe a case study needs to be done on the Chelsea women's team and Emma Hayes on how she's handling everything. But let's get into it. They come back from an international break to an FA Cup semifinal away to Aston Villa. Not the ideal situation, because you... you Expect a squad like Chelsea has a lot of international players that are traveling all over the place, involved with a lot of games. But they come back for this final part of the season. 
and win the game 1-0, a goal from Sam Kerr, as you'd expect. And not the best game, not the best performance, not the best conditions, pitch, but they make it happen when it counts. Listen, I think this is another example of what continuity can do, right? And I say continuity, and I think we talk about Emma Hayes as being with Chelsea for several years now. She's got a formula. She's got a standard. And maybe standard is the right way of what she expects from everybody. But you look at the likes of Sam Kerr. You look at the likes of Fran Kirby. You look at the likes of these girls that have been there three, four, five seasons, right? And every year, Rahul, we're not buying seven players in January to fit into a system, right? We're picking and choosing oh, we need strengthening here, we need strengthening there, we need Lauren James, who's a young striker, to eventually fill in or at least add in the meantime. I'm sure she stepped up now to do that. But you've got to a point where the continuity is built out. Now you can see and reap the rewards of just having a nice, stable model and add pieces as some pieces are no longer working. And I think with the women's team... I don't think that's down to Ibramovic. I don't think that's down to Chelsea Football Club. I really think that's down to Emma Hayes. Yes, Chelsea Football Club have given her a trust, but she's earned it, right? She's been there, done that, been successful consistently to the point where, and, and I know this is an, it's an unfair word in football, but it's almost like she's untouchable. She is the face of the Chelsea women's team. You give her the praise, all the award ceremonies. She's there every year. She's top in the women's line of coaching. And so you've earned that trust and that time of saying, I don't want too much change. Here are my standards. Here are the type of players I want to bring in. And it just seems to work, Rahul. I don't know how easier to explain that than this is what we expect and this is what we want. And it's going to keep happening with her as as long as she stays with Chelsea. And hopefully that's for however long she wants. <laughs> um, but no, I think you're, you're, you're spot on. It's, it's the work that she's done. She obviously didn't come into a squad or mm-hmm. a team that were top of the table, winning titles or fighting for titles. She has built this from the ground up. She's put in the pieces. She's put in the players. She's put in the work. Uh, and, and that's a testament to her. It's guiding us to our sixth FA Cup final in nine years, Jackie. That's that's some achievement because you think about it. Yeah, some seasons you make it to the semifinal, but you stumble and you don't make it across. We continuously just seem to be getting over the line, making it to the final, and then winning the final. I don't want to jinx it, but we have won it for the don't last two, two years. <laughs> We make it for a third time, and that would be a record in itself. But it's credit to the team. It's credit to to her. Uh, one final point for me here is we didn't even have two center backs available for this game. We had to play Marin Mielda alongside uh, Ericsson because Millie Bright and Kadisha Buchanan are both injured. Maybe right. with an eye to, to the Barcelona game, I think maybe Buchanan wasn't risked. But we couldn't even field a full bench, Jackie. And we still showed up, did the job that we had to, played for the badge, got the goal, and defended it. And And there's no harm in that because you end up on the right side. Um, so credit to them. It's, again, giving me joy just knowing that we're in a final with, with them. We're, we're in the uh, semifinal for the Champions League. We're fighting for the title. That's that's what you expect from a club like Chelsea. And, and I know we've been spoiled with the men's team. Uh, but the women fully deserve this, and, and hopefully they finish it off with some trophies because uh, that will be something that I can hang my hat on and say, well, 2023, <laughs> we were we were crap on one side, but on the other side, I, I got fully what I expected. That's exactly, we, that's exactly what's going to happen this season, and then not to put pressure on them, but I think they will come to, to fruition and we will get some trophies on the women's side. 
All right. Speaking of trophies, here's another game on the horizon. Tuesday night at the bridge. Frank Lampard says special things happen at the bridge under lights. He's been there. He's experienced them. We've seen them over the years, Jackie. But this is a season like no other. This is a period like no other. And I don't really have much hope or faith, but let's get into the Madrid preview. We come in 2-0 down. Ben Chilwell is suspended. Causes some issues on that left side, but let's hear it. We haven't scored. Well, we scored one. It was deflected. We've scored one goal in April. We've had two, three different managers. We've had more managers than goals. But Madrid coming to the bridge, we know what happened last season when they showed up. We made some errors. They won 3-1. What are you expecting? Let's start with that. Nothing. I'm expecting absolutely nothing. And I think I'm being real. I'm being raw. I'm being honest. I think with the way we're playing, I'm expecting absolutely nothing. But also, it's a good thing to expect nothing because anything that <laughs> happens beyond nothing is absolutely joy for me because I want to see something happen. But I don't know. Honestly, I can't expect much from this team, Rahul. And I'm not being... Grim, I'm being real. I'm being honest. I think that this season is over and done and dusted. So that being said, if a miracle happens, I will be so ecstatic, so elated, so overjoyed. And I think in the last one against Madrid, I said, with a scoreline prediction, pray for Chelsea. And a lot of fans <laughs> gave me some hate, some negativity about how I need to support Chelsea and not being this pessimistic person. And, and I'll tell you this, I do support Chelsea. I do love Chelsea and I want them to win, but I'm also very realistic. <laughs> and I, I don't see anything building up over the last five, six weeks and even in the last couple of games here that tell me expect anything, Jackie. Just just watch and hopefully we don't get destroyed. Hopefully we don't get destroyed. But So we've lost three of the last three. We lost one again uh, un under Potter. We drew against Liverpool. So no wins in April, Jackie. We were over halfway through the month. Statistics would point that at some point we have to of get course. a win, right? Now, it could be a 2-1 win. It could be a 1-0 win, which still isn't enough. But a win would change so much in terms of confidence, mentality, of especially against a team like Madrid that we're, no one's expecting it, and even not probably not the players themselves. Um, but what does Lampard have to do in the build-up between that full-time whistle on Saturday and the kickoff on Tuesday is there anything he can do differently or, or just do something to get them inspired and up for it? Listen, like I said, the season's over, right? So at this point, it's more a mental game. We as Chelsea have absolutely nothing to lose because as it stands, we've lost. As it stands, we can go to this game, pack all of the 11 guys in our half, and we've lost. There's nothing to lose other than try. Our season in the Premier League is over. There's nothing to lose. So why not motivate these guys, have conversations with them, either individually, as a collective, come together and say, we can draw this game nil-nil and we're out of the Champions League. We can lose this game 10-nil and we're out of the Champions League. So why not put on our helmets, carry our guns, put on our soldier costumes and just go out there and fight. Do, do something for the fans. You're back at Stamford Bridge. Champions League night, under the lights. Put on a show, guys. Show us what you can do. And if we draw, Rahul, and we don't concede a goal, but ultimately 
we have 10, 15 shots and we keep putting Real Madrid on the pressure, all of Stamford Bridge will be so excited, entertained, and proud of what these guys can do. So ultimately, I don't know if he can do much, but just motivate them, install the belief that he has in himself and share that with them because that's why he's brought in, right? Just a PR stunt? Sure, but show us what Chelsea means to these players. It would be you said take fifteen shots on the Madrid goal. I would there you go. I would be even just happy with that, <laughs> even if none of them went in. Uh, no, I, I do agree with you. I think this is where yes, of course we have to be tactically sound and and ready for what is going to be coming our way, but we have to just find a way. We just have to do whatever it takes to score first, to set the tone, put them under pressure, make them feel uncomfortable, make them doubt themselves like we did in that second leg in, uh, last year where for 80 minutes, Real Madrid did not look like Real Madrid. Modric did not look like the player that we know. Benzema was a ghost. Vinicius was a ghost. Let them feel that, especially in our stadium, they may not be able to come back from that. Uh, it's getting me passionate. I don't know about about the players, but let's go into, into the prediction. So let's start with the starting 11. I think Kepa is going to continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lampard said so himself, but are we going to a back three? Are we going to a four? What do you think? I think he has to go to a three. I think the balance seems to be right at this point. I know he's trying to experiment with things in the Premier League, but that's just to see what can break the duck. The back three seems to be the most stable, so maybe a three-four-three. I know he played a two against Madrid in the front, but the three-four-three seems more balanced. So three-four-three. I think Thiago Silva in that center. Koulibaly is definitely out. I think Reese James may end up playing... Uh, as a center back as well, because we Fofana did struggle against Vinicius. Uh, but what do you think? Yeah, maybe Thiago Silva comes in because I know he was rested. I would love to see Fofana in there as well. I think even though he struggled a little bit, I think he's probably the best center back other than Thiago Silva at this point. So it's really a toss-up, Rahul. I know that they favored Kukurea, but he cannot play the center back position given Chilwell's red card. So Maybe Aspilicueta comes back in for a big Champions League night. I know we haven't seen him recently, but he's always got his head on his shoulders. I know he's lacking pace against Vinicius, but between him and Reese, maybe they can hold back Vinicius for a little bit. So you're thinking Aspi on the right? Yeah, if you look at it, yeah, if you look at it this way, when we won the Champions League in previous times, the managers went back to the experienced players, players that have been there and don't take the pressure. So. Aspi, Thiago Silva, and then stick Fofana out on the left center back position. All right. And then Reese and Kukurea wingbacks. I don't know if I'll call Kukurea wingback, but yeah, <laughs> he, he's the most logical player to play that position for now. Look, he, his last good game was against Dortmund at home. So statistically, his, you go. <laughs> he's also due for a good game. Uh, who's your midfield to? Yeah, so Kante is rested. I think Kante comes back in, and Enzo is going to be partnering him. All right. And then... Front three, I think Mudrik needs to start from what we saw this weekend. Yeah, I'd love to see Mudrik, I think, with his pace and energy. And he looked decent. And that's a very scary word to say against Brighton because we were very poor. But he looked decent and can do some damage. I know a lot of people don't like Kai Havertz, but he's probably the one that can lead the line. And he loves a Champions League night. So he'd like to be up there. I'm struggling with the last position, Rahul, because I don't think Raheem Sterling's done enough to be in this team Christian Pulisic hasn't done enough. We didn't even talk about Hakim Ziyech coming on, and he didn't do enough. So I'll defer to you for the last position. I'd like to see Mason Mount come back and do what he can do for Chelsea. 
Hakeem Ziyech should not be seeing the pitch anytime <laughs> soon because he wants to leave. We yeah. want him to leave. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, there's Madueke who can play. I, I'm not sure if he's registered. I got to double check mm. that. But I would play Mason Mount, Jackie. He looked good when he came on, not just in the Brighton game, but also against Madrid. If it wasn't for Rudiger and his crazy defending, we probably would have scored off of yeah. Mason Mount's boot. Um, so I would play Mason Mount, and I'm okay with Kai Havertz and, and Mudrik. And maybe Mason can drop deep sometimes to help out with right. the midfield. Kai can drop deep, uh, which only leaves us with Mudrik's pace. But that's that's more than enough, in my opinion, because he can draw defenders and open up space yep. for others. That's exactly what I'm thinking. And listen, off the bench, if we need to see the likes of maybe Kovacic coming in later on, João Felix coming in later on, I think that would be helpful. But this is what I'm thinking. And again, I just say whoever we pick, You've just got to put your heart on your sleeve and play. And so the likes of Mason Mount is Chelsea boy. Maybe it's his last season. Give him a chance to show us what he can do. Give him a chance. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree. Give him the chance. But score prediction, Jackie. You wanted us to pray. Then you went with the nil-nil against Brighton. What are we, what are we feeling here? Listen, I got a lot of flack online for praying <laughs> for nil-nil. Do you want me to give you my logical scoreline prediction or do you want to give me for my what i want to give you for my heart let's go with your heart and then you can come to the logical that way if it does the heart doesn't come through you've kind of covered yourself my heart says it's champions league night <laughs> it's chelsea it's under the lights frank has told them it's amazing to be here he's motivating these last few days to nail we go to extra time we win this thing on penalties, and it's just magical. It's the turnaround for the rest of the season. Logically, we'll lose 1-0. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you went all excited, and you're like, we'll lose 1-0. <laughs> yeah, look, I I picked my work from home day to be this Tuesday so that I could be home, you know, obviously not fully watching the game, but watching it as best as I could on my TV and when we lost last week, I'm like, should I change my day? Should I do it later <laughs> in the week? And I've stuck to it. And I don't know why something keeps telling me, just leave it and see what happens. Yeah. So I'm going to leave it and see what happens. And and I want to say 3-1. Okay. Which would be 3-3 three, three on aggregate. And let's do what they did to us. Let's win it an extra time. Let's knock them out. Let's... But here, that's the 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 heart talking, right? The other side, I'm right. like, let's just get out of this competition. It's, <laughs> I, I don't want to take any more pain because even if we get the miracle here, which it it would be a miracle, we're gonna need three more. <laughs> yeah, there you go <laughs> to get to the promised land, and I don't know if we have that much credit in the bank. So, look, let's win this game, and even if we go out later, we go out. At least it gives us something to hang on to, and, yeah. and maybe just finish off the season in, in good spirits. So. Three one ninety minutes, and then four three on aggregate, on uh, in extra time for Chelsea. Listen, if we win this game, scoring four goals <laughs> in hundred and twenty minutes, you are the oracle, my friend. You deserve all the praise possible. But I'll take it. I'll take it all day long. We've we've been saving all our April, March, <laughs> February, January goals for this game. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> but that wraps it up, guys. Please continue to subscribe, like, and listen. Uh, it's at the Premier Chels on all podcast providers, Instagram, and on Twitter. It's at Premier Chels. 
And we will be back to do a Real Madrid review. You never know what happens. Jackie's praying. Let's all pray. Let's all correct the sins of the past in the next day and a half or two days and, and let Chelsea come through on the other side and we take it from there. But until then, stay safe and up the Chelsea. Hey, guys. The Premier Chelsea is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top-quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home, so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.